hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Family Law in Partnership podcast. You're most welcome. This afternoon we have with us Charlotte Friedman. Hello Charlotte. Hello. Charlotte, tell us a bit about what it is that you do and how you serve individuals or couples who are approaching and maybe going through separation and divorce. Well, I'm a psychotherapist and I'm the founder of an organisation called Divorce Support Group. And I set that up about five years ago to help make separation manageable because it's such a painful process. Mm. And what I do and other psychotherapists in London who are part of the network and across the country is either see individuals or see couples who are thinking about separation. Um, and we also run 10-week local support groups for people to join. And we also run one-day workshops on a Saturday mm. so that people can actually come and talk about their divorce and separation. Mm. What, what kind of materials would they go through on that 10-week course? Well, the idea is that it, it, the group, when it's formed, meets at the same time, the same day every week for one and a half hours. Mm. The group is small. It's mm -hmm. up to eight people and run by a psychotherapist. And the idea is to share experiences of your divorce and separation and to hear how other people cope with and manage their divorce and separation. And the primary purpose really is to help people feel less alone and isolated mm. because that's one of the main things that people feel. Um, and during the life of the group or the journey through the group, people talk about those experiences but there are also some exercises to do some maybe some writing or a bit of drawing that's or themes that come up which help people sort of focus on and process all those overwhelming feelings that feel so unmanageable and mm. hey, what's the thinking be behind having them write and and, and draw t t tell us a bit about that well with the drawing exercise, you know, sometimes it's very easy to talk about things and you put words to things. And sometimes when you put words to them, the whole feeling gets lost. Right. When you draw something, you might draw an experience that you've had. It's a very powerful thing because mm. you're actually getting very much in touch with feelings that that you don't um, process when you're actually talking about them mm. and people say it's a very powerful exercise and it's very helpful to them because they see things they otherwise wouldn't and, and what i'm guessing is you must have to have a high level of trust i mean you mentioned that these groups are up to eight people so, so it's quite an intimate group anyway and the the amount of trust that they must be able to build up within that kind of setting especially over a 10-week program, must be, must be very high, isn't it? Well, I think joining a group in any circumstances is a very sort of anxiety-provoking um, mm. thing to do. And I think you know, <clears throat> it takes some courage to do it. But everybody who joins a group has met the psychotherapist once for an individual consultation. So they know one person, and that's the psychotherapist running mm. their group. And then it does feel quite difficult for the first sort of half of the first session. But everybody's in the same boat and nobody mm. knows each other. So everybody's starting from the same point. And what the feedback is that I've had is that it is quite uncomfortable for perhaps the first half an hour. But there's such a relief at meeting people who are going through the same thing. Mm. And then gradually you really form bonds with people. And one of the most heartening things is that at the end of the 10-week group, the group stays in touch with each other and right. they meet regularly and they go to the pub or they go and have dinner or, you know, they spend time on the phone to each other. And it mm. really has provided 
a support network that goes well beyond the life of the 10-week group. So, so this isn't just, you know, kind of getting through these issues that, that, that we face when we're coming up to divorce and separation, but this is already starting to rebuild kind of connections and the, the, these social networks. <clears throat> I think so, because people are looking for some sort of community when they're going through divorce and separation, right. because you can feel very isolated. And I think everybody knows the statistics about how prevalent it is. Mm. But actually, you yourself feel that you're on your own and the only one going through it. And the whole world is in a couple. Mm. So you're building those friendships, new friendships with other people. And you have so much in common, you know, mm. as soon as you start. Brilliant work. So, so you do these uh, divorce support groups. And these are across the country, aren't they? Yes, they're across the country. There, there's lots in London and then various places from Brighton up to Edinburgh yes. and west and east across the country. And the idea really is that if you are going through divorce and separation, hopefully, you know, there will be a group near enough to you for you to go to. And then we'll, uh, we'll give you the details at the end of uh, our conversation about where you can go. And you can have a look at the map online to, to see where your nearest group is. So, so we'll get those details to you. At the I, end of this. Yeah. I think it's also quite important to say that some people may not feel that they want to join a group and mm. then they can just go and access individual one-to-one um, -one help with, with a psychotherapist. And, of course, this is work you still do, the, the direct work as well. Yes, right? I mean, I do a lot of individual work. I mean, I, I see a lot of individual clients and just sort of really go through the whole process of divorce and separation, not from a legal point of view, not from a concrete point of view, but just from a sort of feelings point of view. And, you know, sometimes divorce and separation triggers earlier losses mm -hmm. and earlier things in life that all come out under the sort of guise of divorce and separation. So it's useful to have somebody to talk to on a one-to-one -one basis. I mean, very complex issues, as you say, kind of bringing mm. up those those hurts and grievances, perhaps whether it's from our childhood or our, our, our growing up years. Presumably, you know, the... the, the the uh, looking back at our parents' relationships and our experience of those as well, that, that also features, I should imagine. Yes, I think it does feature. And it's, it's not just observing your parents' relationship, but the part you play as a child watching it and the impact and the effect of, uh, of your parents' relationship on you. And not just between the two of them as a couple, um, but the way that they have interacted with you and the relationship with you and how you've developed so, Charlotte, tell us, what are the most common problems that people want to talk about when they come to talk about divorce and separation? Well, as I've already said in relation to the groups, they, you know, they, they want to talk about how alone and isolated they feel. Also by how overwhelmed by feelings um, people feel, because you can feel that you're absolutely drowning in grief, in sorrow, in loss, in anger, in envy, and also feeling very stuck in what feels like um, an endless process. And when people come, they come um, whether they're newly separated, you know, they could have been separated just for a month, which feels very new, or actually going through the legal process of divorce and dismantling, you know, the whole relationship. Or they already have their divorce, their degree absolute, but they're still feeling that, you know, they can't get over the separation, they mm. can't move on. People come from from all sorts of places on that spectrum. Now that's an interesting point, isn't it? The idea that the, the legality is that that process of getting divorced, bringing the marriage to an end, may have been concluded, and yet, you mm. know, we, we're still dealing with the, with the emotional uh, legacy and uh, runoff. I think that's very true, and I always say, you know, getting a legal divorce, painful though it is, 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 is one thing, and it has a beginning and an end, but the emotional divorce is entirely separate. And I think people feel that if they're going through a legal divorce and they get their decree absolute, somehow that should all be all right, and that they'll feel better now, and it's over, and mm. you can move on. But sometimes it's just the beginning of dealing with the pain. 
because you can become very distracted by the whole process of divorce and being involved with lawyers and going through the court process. And the distraction stops you actually processing the feelings that you need to go through in order to move on and get through it. Oh, that's interesting. So, so the process, the legalities, all of that formality, that, that kind of acts as a almost a, a kind of anaesthetic and it, it, what, it, it numbs us to the emotions? Well, I, I don't think it's an anaesthetic because I think the emotions are there all the time and they're right. very, very painful. But I think what happens is you have to be very busy. You have to be filling in your form E, you have to be answering letters, mm -hmm. you have the anxiety of getting lawyers' letters from the other side. And all those things, although you're in a great deal of pain, serve to sort of keep you going in a way. Right. And then you have an expectation that it'll all be over mm. and you realise that actually it's not over. You still feel in pain. And I think people feel very bewildered. You know, why am I in pain? You know, I've got my divorce. But pain needs to be processed and, it, mm. and divorce is like a bereavement. What is it that drives clients to feel um, stuck and unable to move on whilst they're in the middle of a divorce or a separation? Well, a lot of people say how stuck they feel, and especially if you've got your divorce and you just don't feel better. And I think being stuck um, serves a purpose, actually, because you know I think it's hard to sort of think about what purpose it could possibly serve. But when people are going through divorce and separation and they're feeling stuck, it's often because they're very involved in their minds with what their ex is doing or what their ex is thinking, and they're thinking about if only this had happened or if only that had happened or if only I'd said this or he'd done that or she'd done this, you know, maybe I wouldn't be in this place. And I think all those emotions serve to make you feel that you're still connected in some way in your relationship. Mm. And the relationship is clearly over, but in your mind, you're still thinking about the other person. And therefore, you're sort of defended against looking at what it means to actually be alone, what it means to feel truly separated. Um, and it's frightening to look forward to an unplanned for future, a future that doesn't feel populated in any way with anything, because mm. you took your future for granted when you were with your partner. So in order not to feel a sort of terror or sort of fear of all that, in your mind, you're still thinking about your partner you know, upset about his or her new partner or upset about the email you got or upset or angry about the contact arrangements or whatever it is, you're still having a relationship, even though it's not a sort of real one, but you're mm. having a relationship of, of feeling, which stops you move, looking forward and just keeps you looking back. And that's mm. what feeling stuck is all about, in my view. And as you're saying that, it strikes me that this can be very difficult for our friends and family to hear um, you know, maybe not the first time, you know, they, they, they tend to be mm. compassionate and understanding and sympathetic. But, you know, when they're hearing this kind of stuff, possibly several months on, um, they, they can kind of get that, that, that sense of fatigue, can't they? I, I think that's absolutely right. And lots of people talk about, you know, that they're talking to their friends and family. They feel so embarrassed. That they're still saying the same thing. And yeah. they, you know, they make a joke about how people's eyes glaze over when they talk about it. And right. I think that's what's so important about going to see a therapist or going to join a local support group because people want to hear and people are available to hear. And I think until you get over something, you do have to keep repeating something. You do have to keep repeating the same thing. And, and that's what people do when you've, when you've been traumatised or you mm. have a grievance. Mm. You have to keep airing the grievance until it feels better. And that's part of the moving on progress, well, is it? Well, that, that's, 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 that's the start of it, really. Yes. And the start of it is just feeling that 
you have all these feelings and how do you manage them? And one of the things about divorce and separation is that, you know, people think, well, perhaps it's just loss of your partner or loss of your relationship. But there are so many losses. You know, there are losses of lifestyle and friends and the holidays that you went on. And, you know, the loss of your own self-esteem or your Mm. confidence or your Mm. sense of self. People talk about, you know, who am I? I don't even know who I am anymore. I was so um, defined. My identity was so defined by my being with my partner, being mm. a wife or being a husband. So it's about feeling on the outside of something and feeling left out. So the process is about how to manage all that and how to start to move through it and yes. move on. Yes. If people are listening to this and, you know, they're, they're just, you know, becoming aware of feeling some of those things, what, what kind of advice would you be able to give to them about getting through it well first of all i just want to kind of say in relation to this advice that some people feel it's more comfortable to feel all these terrible feelings although it's painful it's familiar and it's comfortable because it just feels less painful than facing being on your own so you have to be kind of ready to to want to move on Not just to think I just can't stand this pain anymore, but to think actually I do want to put it behind me. What I want to say is that all the feelings that people are feeling are all normal. That, you know, underneath all the torment, that, you know, you are a whole person who is entitled to reclaim your life, really. Um, What what does that mean, a whole person? Well, I think people feel that in some way their left arm has been cut off or that they just can't really stand up by themselves. There's no kind of sense of empowerment or self-esteem or control or confidence. But actually, underneath all those feelings, you you are still you. You know, you have to kind of reconnect with that. But, you know, you are still the person that had a career or had a job or has lovely friends or has family or is a daughter or a mother or a sister or a Mm. brother you are still that person and you know what I say is that divorce is an end but it's absolutely the beginning of something else and that feels frightening but there is a beginning there and there is more life to live what I do to help people is really to help people manage these overwhelming feelings by thinking about them. I know that sounds a bit funny, but feelings can feel like they've got no beginning or end or middle. They're just a sort of big thing that's drowning you. And if you can try and identify what your feelings are and when you're feeling them and when you fluctuate between grief and anger or anger and envy, then you can start to begin to put them in a context and in a setting that becomes less overwhelming and more manageable. So also to help people think about the future that isn't so frightening and to empower people to feel more in control and more independent by being in charge of their destiny and actually sort of involving themselves in something that means that they're part of something instead of left out of something. Yes, yes. Fascinating what you say about, you know, it can be more comfortable to you know, to kind of hold on to those mm. feelings of pain and anxiety and such like. And that there must be, you know, quite, I, I can see that, heaven forbid that we're going to deal with things in a clumsy fashion and try to be forward future looking. It, it, I can see if we try to do that too soon, then it simply mm. isn't going to connect with where that person going through the divorce or the separation currently is. Mm. I think, you know, somebody said to me once, you know, I don't want to be helped, even though they were there for help, because being helped would mean they'd have to let go of something, actually, and say goodbye to something. And the the difference between sort of death and divorce, although both are a bereavement, is that 
it's very, very hard in divorce to mourn something, to say goodbye to it when that person still exists. And often people say to me that they wish their partner had died and mm. that they had to go through this separation because you still have to have some kind of dialogue usually with your ex-partner if you've got children. And if you haven't, first of all, you have to have a dialogue when you're going through the divorce process. And when that's over... Often you have friends in common who, in a very clumsy, tactless, insensitive way, will tell you what your ex is doing. So you kind of hear about their existence a lot, and that's very painful when you're trying to move on from something and let it go. Are, are you able to help your clients with how they uh, speak to their friends and their family? You mentioned, you know, the, the, the friend who, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's just clumsy or, or not mm. really thinking, mentions about what the ex is doing and how they might be. Uh, you know, moving on with their lives. Mm. Um, is, is that something that you're able to help people with? Well, I think that if something causes you pain and your very insensitive friend keeps telling you that he or she went to a party and saw your ex and your ex is with so-and-so, I think it's very simple. Either you sort of sever that friendship yeah. or you have a conversation which is, mm. you know, about that it actually affects you quite deeply and please could you try not to, to say those things to me. Mm. But the other thing that friends say is that they say, look, it's been six months, it's been a year, it's time to move on. You know, just, just forget about it now, move on. Mm. And that's really hard to hear. And actually, if you're not ready to move on, then you just can't. And it's not as easy as clicking your fingers or just saying, you know, it's the 11th month, let's just put it behind us. So those are the sorts of insensitive things that friends can say that mm. actually aren't at all helpful and actually make people feel even more alone and... and not understood and my guess is that everyone has their own time scale and that they, they move at different speeds I yes and, and one of the most common questions i'm asked is how long will i feel like this for yes. and we all feel pain for different amounts of time and depending on you know how we cope with it how we deal with it what sort of work we want to put into actually managing it so there isn't a time scale mm. but what i can absolutely assure people is that it absolutely gets better and that, you know, even now, if you look back at how you felt three months ago, you probably feel better in some ways or see the green shoots of something or a few moments of, of happiness or smiling, which is different from how you felt three months earlier. Charlotte, thank you so much. We, we talked about the 10-week the uh, programmes, the, uh, the Divorce Support Group, and I would like listeners to find out where their local group is if they would like to access that kind of support and, of course, how they can get in contact with you for direct one-to-one -one, uh, support and work. Uh, so, so where can people find your details? Well, there's a national number, which is um, 0844 800 9098. And then that, that number actually comes through to me and they can tell me where they are and I can put them in touch with their local therapist. Brilliant. And if they want to talk to me, they can. Um, there's also a website, which is divorcesupportgroup.co.uk. Um, and that's really the two ways. There's a London number, which is 0207 483 1378. So those are the three ways of getting in touch and getting in touch with me. So those two numbers, probably the easiest way, 0844 800-9098 yep. and the London number make sure I've got this right 0207-483-1378 yes that's right great thank you very much Charlotte thank you for giving us some of your time and just sharing with our listeners how you help uh, support those people those individuals who are approaching and maybe going through divorce and separation thank you very much thank you it's a pleasure